Hi, I'm Andrew Limper, and I am professor of pulmonary medicine at the Mayo Clinic. And today I'll be talking about drug-induced lung disease and giving my perspectives on recent changes and need for heightened awareness for these conditions. So drug-induced respiratory disease or lung disease is really broadly defined as a whole host of reactions that can occur to the lung as a consequence of either prescribed or illicit drugs. That could be infiltrates in the lungs, it could be bronchospasm, it can be bleeding into the lungs, it could be fluid accumulating outside of the lungs, or it could be nodules that develop in the lungs, and actually a whole host of other reactions. Over 500 different drugs are associated with lung toxicities, and the number grows almost on a daily basis. Virtually any of the medications that are used for the treatment of malignancies, neoplasms, or in transplantation medicine, or the wide variety of medicines that are used for rheumatologic and immunologic diseases, many of them have a small but defined risk of causing toxicity in the lungs. All of these lung toxicities really are a growing health problem because it results in actually millions of patients being affected, missing hundreds of thousands or more days of work per year, and actually it's estimated that the economic cost is in the billions of dollars. So it's a really significant problem. People often ask me what's new in drug-induced lung disease. What are the emerging agents? I usually answer that uh, by saying virtually any drug that gets administered to humans in enough quantity can result in toxicity in the lungs. Indeed, some of the things that come to mind are some of the new cancer therapies, particularly immune checkpoint inhibitors are uh, really being known for having immune adverse effects, and some of those do impact the lungs as they can impact the skin and the gastrointestinal tract. Now, let me keep in mind, immune checkpoint inhibitors are life-saving, particularly for metastatic and uncontrollable diseases. They're very important therapies, but clinicians that take care of patients on immune checkpoint inhibitors have to be aware of whether there is shortness of breath, cough, or new shadows on x-rays that would indicate that there would be drug-induced toxicity. And I think it's very important because mild toxicities with immune checkpoint inhibitors often can be managed by just stopping the medication, perhaps giving some corticosteroids for uh, a number of weeks. And sometimes, even if, if the reaction's mild enough, the uh, checkpoint inhibitor might be continued. However, if the toxicity from these agents is significant or severe, patient goes in the hospital, might end up needing to be in an intensive care unit, then really those immune checkpoint inhibitors really will need to be avoided in the patient's treatment going forward. As a general rule, we usually do not re-challenge patients that have drug-induced lung disease with the agent that might have induced that lung toxicity. People will also ask me how to diagnose drug-induced lung disease. It's a tough diagnosis because it's a diagnosis of, of exclusion. We need to exclude infection or underlying disease such as is the malignancy coming back in the lungs. We need to exclude other kinds of causes of lung disease, such as heart failure, fluid overload. And so we, after we exclude all those things, we look at the timing, we look at the drugs, and then we find the culprits that might be involved, and we eliminate those from the patient's treatment. And then 
often but not always, some patients will benefit from some judicious use of corticosteroids. People ask me, are any of the classic drugs that have been known for years and years to cause drug-induced lung disease doing anything different? Well, you have to always keep an open mind about new manifestations of toxicity. For instance, bleomycin. Bleomycin is well known to cause infiltrates and fibrotic infiltrates and fibrosis of the lungs in patients that receive it, often for hematologic malignancies, sometimes for malignancies of the genitourinary tract. And that's well established, but we need to keep in mind that oxygen is a synergizer with bleomycin. And so giving patients high concentrations of oxygen can actually cause them to recall to have an amnestic response to the bleomycin and have the lung injury flare to a significant degree. With the advent of less invasive surgery in the chest, sometimes we're only ventilating one lung and we're working on the other lung. And indeed, some patients that have gotten bleomycin will get only bleomycin toxicity on the one side that is ventilated and that sees the high oxygen concentrations. There are also other ways that drug-induced lung disease can manifest. You might see nodules in the lungs. When we see nodules, we almost always think most of the time of, of neoplasm, of cancer. So is the cancer back? Is that metastatic disease? Sometimes we also think is that some kind of an unusual fungal disease or an infectious disease. Indeed, though, we have to also keep in mind that drugs can cause nodular infiltrates in the lungs, and that's really a more recently appreciated manifestation of drug-induced disease. And so in those instances where they're biopsied to exclude that there's not cancer there, we often see an organizing pneumonia pattern. There's a whole host. Bleomycin can cause that. Amiodarone can cause that as a new manifestation. But many of the other cancer-related agents can also cause that. So organizing pneumonia is another new presentation of some of the classical toxicities that medication uh, have caused. Finally, for those of you that work in ICUs and see patients that are critically ill, always keep drug-induced disease at the back of your mind. I did a study uh, with some colleagues at the Mayo Clinic published in CHEST several years back, and when we look at them, up to maybe 10% of patients that have acute lung injury or, quote, the adult respiratory distress syndrome, when you look back at them, Actually, the precipitating cause was likely medication, oftentimes a chemotherapeutic medication that would trigger that diffuse lung injury and severe respiratory compromise. So those classical toxicities are presenting in new ways. We also always look at the drug lists, but you gotta keep in mind the drugs that the patients don't have on their drug list, and that is the illicit or self-induced drugs. Now, classically, we think about things like opioids, heroin-injected, morphine-injected, other opioid or narcotic medicines that are injected. But the reality is we know that the opioid epidemic is widespread. It is seen where you'll have lung injury related to an edema related to the opioids with those classical opioids. But we also now see them with a variety of other agents. And that includes oral medications as well in high enough doses acutely can cause 
opioid-related toxicities. And what about the other drugs that patients may be taking on a recreational basis? That includes things like crack cocaine, which can cause diffuse lung injury when smoke, crack lung, and certainly even methamphetamines have been associated with lung toxicities as well. Finally, I would be very remiss on the self-induced if I didn't mention vaping-associated lung injury. There's a lot of emerging evidence on vaping-associated lung injury. Again, patient-induced. It has been associated with the use of cannabinoids, uh, either CBD oil mixed with the nicotine or THC mixed with the nicotine, but it has occurred with just plain nicotine inhalation as well. And there have been ICU cases and deaths related to vaping-associated lung injury. The exact cause is being delineated. There are certain thoughts about some of the some of the contaminants that sometimes get into these uh, substances uh, that people will inhale, including things actually like vitamin E that has recently been shown to be associated with the disease as well. But keep an eye out. Talk to your patients about what they are doing recreationally. Are they vaping? Are they smoking anything? Do they use illicit drugs? Because those are a big source of medication and drug-induced lung disease that doesn't hit the med list that we see in our electronic records. Finally, people will say, what are the key things? I think the key things, of course, is to have a heightened awareness. Always suspect when you don't know what the definite cause of a lung injury or toxicity is, that medications, either those listed in their chart or those that you get from history or those that you have to well out of the patient by repeated questioning might be the cause. You have to get early recognition. And then the diagnosis, again, as we said, is really a diagnosis of exclusion. Do they have an infection going on? Do they have an underlying malignancy? And is the malignancy coming back in the lungs? Are there really other kinds of diseases on other organs, such as the heart and heart failure and volume overload that might be causing the infiltrates in the lungs. After you exclude that, then you really need to think about the possibility of drug-associated lung disease. Frequently during that evaluation, interventions from the pulmonary physician, such as bronchoscopy with BAL, can be very important. They can be important really first and foremost to exclude infection, to look for malignant cells, but sometimes you'll see clues on the cellular differential, such as high lymphocyte counts or high eosinophil counts that would point you more towards thinking about a drug-induced lung disease. Finally, they can help sometimes show whether there's been exposure, such as seeing lipid-laden macrophages and amiodarone-associated toxicity. Finally, once you are convinced that you're dealing with a drug-associated lung disease, the management is really supportive. First and foremost, you stop the drug, you eliminate the drug, and then you support the patient, give them oxygen if they need it, if they're volume overloaded, give them diuresis, and Looking at the literature, there are some good examples we're using. Judicious doses of, of corticosteroids can actually be of benefit to the patients, and they certainly can benefit some of the patients with acute uh, bleomycin and other types of toxicities. And they certainly are also of benefit frequently in the immune checkpoint inhibitor-associated reactions in the lungs. 
So the bottom line is you need to think about this, these diagnoses because you can't make a diagnosis that doesn't come to your mind. So I really think all of us that interface with patients every day need to keep the possibility of drug-associated or drug-induced lung disease high in our minds as the potential cause of the problems of infiltration in our patients. I'd like to thank you for listening to me today, and for more information, please click the link below.